If you're a listener who just started on this episode, go Why? back because this is a this is part two. Duh. This is part two. In fact, this is as as our our new friend uh, Maddox just put it. This is what was it? Two two too pod- mad two Poddington. Too too mad too Poddington. Too madcast two Poddington. Um, we love a we love a Fast and Furious franchise. <laughs> um, <laughs> Poddington 2. Poddington 2. Oh, Damn it, I have to make new cover art now. It's oh, no. oh, that'll be great. That'll be still haven't seen it. I know Maddox, can I put your face on Paddington? Refrain from putting Okay, no, we won't do it. We won't do it. Never mind on the Paddington. Scott, can you note it in the log? Maddox has noted in the log. Is an enemy of Paddington. Wow, Maddox hates Paddington. Yeah. There, here we go. Great way to start, y'all. Great way to start. Welcome, welcome, everybody. Welcome to Theater Theater, the theater podcast for theater nerds, made by three theater makers from the LA theater scene. Yeah, that's all. I'm Jay Bailey Burcham. <laughs> I'm CJ Merriman. I'm Scott Leggett, I guess, I think. I guess. Uh, and each week we get together to discuss, debate, and disseminate the works of the great playwrights by taking a macro look at three of their plays. And this is part two and the finale of Mad Cast Poddington, the works of Maddox Pennington. <laughs> and of course, once again, we are joined by... Too mad to to pod themselves. I don't know. That didn't work out. Too uh, mad we're, to pod themselves. That's what I. That's what I was going for. Yeah. No. We we are, in fact, joined by our playwright today. The incredible, the incomparable Maddox Pennington. How are you, Maddox? Doing well, thank you. How's everybody? Oh, we're great. Mm-hmm. We as recorders are still recording on the same day that we were recording the last one. Right. Not to break but, the magic. Yeah. But to the audience. <laughs> but to the audience. See, this is how it works. Why do we have to tell them? What? Well, I like to. Like, we like to pull back I the I like curtain. to let them know it's still 108 degrees in my apartment. <laughs> yes. And I'm... that I'm not thinking straight. Um, no, we're. this is part two. This is the finale. We're covering uh, the three works by Maddox. We started last week with Don't Call Me, Annex. And this week we're going to finish talking about annex and then move on to the playwright uh, theater theater playwright fringe award winning love chicken mm-hmm. yeah the reason we're all here in the first place so uh i don't know let's uh oh no there's a thing i gotta do chronology. the chronology oh this is fun okay so there's a few things that we need to talk about i want to talk through like Starting with your TV scripts, Maddox. Like, what are what is the order in which you wrote each script? Don't, don't tell me every single TV script that you ever wrote, but I just mean like, kind of give me give me the basic idea of that, and then go into like 
the order of don't call me love chicken all that and then end with something that you're actually getting a public reading of right now um, I would say I started dabbling in like the TV scripts when I took this intensive course in grad school so that was like 2012 and I wrote a spec of 30 Rock to get into it. I wrote a spec of Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment 23 yes. in it. <laughs> I tried to write a pilot. I wanted to do like a scripted version of a, like a very queer kind of faux documentary of like, you know, the, the, all of the like house overhaul shows where like they go into the right. restaurant and insult everyone and then overdo mm -hmm, it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I wanted to do that with a couple that was always breaking up and getting back together, two women who would go into only bed and breakfast and then reinvent them with like a theme. <laughs> so the first one was like a bed and breakfast themed after Sunset Boulevard. Ooh. <laughs> and somehow I couldn't make that pilot come together. Um <laughs> I feel like we There's need to re. Time. Yeah, I feel oh, like we need the to... bitter business bureau, and I'm still a little more proud of it than anything. Wow, else. wow, obsessed with that, and I yes, think we need to revisit it and probably I'm get in. it produced. I'm yes. in. Yeah, we're making this. I reread it now, and I'm just like, it was literally like I had like a sock on one hand and a sock on the other, and was just talking to myself oh my the God. entire time. Uh, <laughs> I'm downloading a GoFundMe right now. <laughs> <laughs> to have this stricken from the cloud. Um, so yeah, so I did that. Uh, and then I wrote uh, my Bronte's book from like 2013 to 2017. Then I did stand up from 2018 to like, you know, the pandemic that ended everything. And then slightly before that, I wrote the, <laughs> the Valette miniseries. And then I wrote Shirley in that theater adaptation class. And then I wrote Love Chicken right after that. And then I wrote Annex right after that. Uh, and then I had a couple different projects that are sort of in various half form states, um, including one called Back to Life, where like a figurative haunting becomes a literal haunting when you can't get rid of your ex. Um, mm. And then right now I'm working on a play called Embers Born West, which is about uh, Cherokees in Los Angeles. It's semi it's based has some has some biographical details um, from my life and my my ancestors who came to LA in the 20s. Um, and that is what is getting workshopped by the Mad Lab uh, First Look reading series the first weekend in October. That's so rad. Awesome. That's awesome. That's super cool. So you, it's like, it's so interesting because you're like, you're a pretty new playwright. But as we talked about last time, you're not new to literature and writing yeah. and stand up and comedy and, and the theatrical arts. But <laughs> right. in terms of playwriting, you don't read as a new playwright. Mm -mm. Oh, thank you. These texts mm -mm. don't feel elementary. They don't feel like sophomoric attempts. They feel like someone who has written 30 things and this is the first time they're putting it out there. That's sort of mm -hmm. how it feels, right? Or like someone who already, because you already have found a voice. We talk a lot about the search of the voice with our evolutions. And like someone like, I think it was, was it Annie Baker maybe? Or Sarah Rule? There was one where we were like, the first one we read was just not up to par with the other one. We were just like, oh, yeah. it's just not really. I think it was Sarah Rule. I think it we was, like, yeah. She just got better. She just got so much better. So when you read Melancholy Play, which I love, you finish it and you're like, wow, that was fun. And then you read um, Vibrator Play and you're the like, oh room. shit. Yeah, yeah. 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 you're like, oh, this is an there, another there's, level. There's a big jump, yeah. You don't have that big jump. And part of it is that these are all in the uh, two, three year span of writing, but also like you're not you're you you hit it off right away with "Don't Call Me." We're right away we we jump in the water, the deep end, and we're like, this is theater, theatrical, very theatrical. Now, Annex is kind of a different beast, as you said. You felt like this was more theatrical. I think that's kind of true. I think 
maybe even more like cinematically theatrical mm. like yeah. in 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 some ways but we were we were kind of amidst the discussion and I, was there yeah. anything y'all wanted to get into i feel like we all had more to say cj you especially you were like oh i have more um yeah. throw down siege uh, well, it. I wanted to start off with saying thank you for handling one of my theater pet peeves at the top. The whole idea mm. of if you drop something, because they're playing catch in that first scene. The, <laughs> the amount of times, even in professional theater, where something has fallen off a table or something is dropped, you go and you pick it up. It, or I will sit there the whole scene and be like, why aren't they picking that up? It <laughs> fell. Why aren't they picking but, it up? Yeah. What are they also, doing? Also, part of me would, as a director, make sure it happened. Like, mm-hmm. they dropped it at least once. Because you put it in there, it made me go like, oh, I oh, I would want every audience member to get to experience that. Because well, that's yeah, interesting. I, I tell this stone face story all the time when we were doing stone face uh, Pasadena Playhouse. Um, we were doing Never a whole... <laughs> I know, right? But we were doing this whole Buster Keaton, uh, Fatty Arbuckle sequence with these things hanging down from these contraptions hanging from the ceiling and we were throwing things back and forth and guaranteed the one and then at the end of it i caught a tomato on the end of a fork and so like you could just always feel the tension with the nights that things went awry were the best nights Mm -hmm. like when when the audience was just like oh are they gonna we had a, a bottle of vodka that would swing all the way across stage and then come back and french stewart would manipulate this contraption and it would go into a bin and uh one night it just came off the rope like fell dead on stage and he and i in character just got up and figured out how to retie it and the audience <laughs> lost their minds for an added five minutes a scene but Amazing. no you know and to acknowledge that like i sometimes feel that and th- we we talked about this in the first episode maddox that you go into these wonderful details in your stage descriptions and your character descriptions, and then you're like, or whatever, because <laughs> you're painting a picture and then you're giving people breathing room for it. Um, and so that's that stage direction, that description of if it do something with it. Like, I think that sometimes playwrights want, want it perfect, want it to be perfect in their mind and they're writing a perfect script sometimes and sometimes those nights when things go crazy those are the nights i mean that's i saw the the play that goes wrong on broadway and like my my whole face hurts (laughs) because of the, the like multiple conceits of like is this going wrong or not but then i also like I love watching blooper reels, you know, where actors like oh, just sure. fall out of their thing. Or like one of my favorite theater experiences was seeing Company with Raul Esparza. And there was some night, well, the night that we were there, that uh, during, right before, around the number of like, I'm not getting married today, yeah. um, Amy has this line like, who can live with that much affection? And she did it right into Raul Esparza's face from the top of a piano. And he just, he just broke <laughs> and like looked full, like his face turned right and he just laughed and there was nothing to do, but like, yeah. No, yeah. play it out play it and then out. come back. And yeah. so I, I really like doing that now, like something that can't be controlled. In Ember's Born West, I have a thing where both characters have to reach for like a pie tin. And I'm like, whoever gets there first should take it. Like, right. I want that to be a thing that is really decided right then, not like a, a pre-planned rock, paper, yeah. scissors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love that. Yeah, absolutely love that. Yeah, and I think that's the beauty of, of, you know, the rehearsal room. A lot of that stuff gets, like, found, but you're putting it in there already for us. We're like, oh, we don't even have to search for that. We got it. Let's go. And we it, it, it allows us actually to move forward quicker uh, with some of that stuff as a director in the room, in my opinion. Um, something else I think is interesting, we talked about last time how you kind of you fit the, the like, 
kid gets sucked into thing trope without like falling into the pitfalls, right? This is another kind of tropey sort. And Love Chicken is too, where you're taking something we kind of already know as a genre, subgenre, and and saying like, okay, but what if this, mm. right? You've taken a trope of something that I love, but that can often be trite and overdone. And you've put a much needed like spin on it without it being too kitschy, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. And Love Chicken's the same way where it feels like it's like, well, I know the sitcom setup. I know the like this not soap opera, but like the the dramatic uh, uh, hour long TV series kind of setup. Like I know what that is, but to see it done like this adds a whole other layer to it. And and this 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 felt that way too. To add the transness, to add the you know, the um, the the silliness of it being Belinda Carlisle, but then allowing that to get real mm-hmm. sometimes. That's the balance that I think we find. We had a lot of struggles with, you know, judging at theater, the- uh, at the fringe. Um, and just like as, as readers of a lot, we read so many plays now and we just read so many things that fall into these holes. And, and it's, it was just so refreshing to read a playwright and be like, ah, like, cause I mean, to be honest, we only knew your one play. Mm-hmm. We were like, oh, what if these suck? And we have to <laughs> go this straight up because we would have been. And I told you that I was like, you know, what and... if Love Chicken was a fluke? Yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, we knew it wouldn't be, but it was just it, it, there is that worry, and you, it was just so refreshing for that not to be the case. So one of the it. things that I talk about a lot uh, on this is admiring uh, a voice, a playwright, or a writer when I just know pretty quickly that they're smarter than me (laughs) and I'm like, Oh, right on. Then I, because then I trust it. And, Mm. and I think that that's what, and I guess I have a question because one of the things that struck me is the clarity of your voice in all, in all three of these plays. And do you, where do you think that you honed that? Was that maybe something that came out of stand up? I think it was before, I think it was really, again, going to, to school for creative nonfiction. And mm-hmm. before that I had been, you know, like a, a theater critic for my college paper and I had reviewed plays in high school. And I think, and I was also a singer. So like on a literal level, I did a lot of like thinking about the voice and then on a figurative level, um, just trying to figure out what it was, you know, like that, um, one of my biggest fears in getting into it was that every, all my plays would just sound like me talking in a different hat. Cause every time I tried to write fiction, um, that's how it always sounded. And I finally realized that it was because I wanted the experience of writing fiction to feel like the experience of reading fiction. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't. Whereas writing a play, because I can just sort of play it in my head and I can like act it out, it actually does feel like seeing it to mm. create, like when you're in the zone, right? Like it takes a lot of kind of sometimes laying the groundwork to get there. But like Annex started because I was like, I really want to see a scene where people are playing catch and talking. Where would it be weird for them to be playing catch and talking? How about on the lawn of a mental hospital? And then building that out and putting things in. I mean, I, I really appreciate that you guys feel like the, there's not like a, a leveling up in terms of, of writing quality in the plays. But I think the, when I look at these in a line and ending with kind of the thing I'm working on now, it's a lot more of just opening up. Like Shirley mm-hmm. is very structured. Like I'm keeping myself very safe mm-hmm. by being mm-hmm. like a teacher and communicating information. Love Chicken is me being like, oh, man, I'm lonely. Let's fix it. You know? Yeah. And Annex is like, here's what I'm afraid of. Let me 
practice hashing that out with a group of people. And then Ember's Born West is very much the same. Like I'm pursuing, there's a character that's just very clearly based on me and then imagined characters um, where I want to know what they would have thought of me. And it's like therapeutic in a way to be like, let me write a scene where the worst possible thing happens and where the best possible thing happens. And it's almost and, like your evolution as a playwright is whatever your evolution as a human is in that moment. Right. And yeah. I think maybe we miss that sometimes with our playwrights because mm. we tend to dramaturg in the way of like, and this, it was 1960. So this is what was happening. So they must've been feeling this. Mm. And I think we, we forget sometimes that like, Oh, they might've also just been like going through some shit and not had a friend that day. Like Tennessee you know? Williams. Mm. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I mean, famously subtle personal problems. In Tennessee. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> I, you know, I, I loved the description of uh, the the whole idea of people doing their best but fucking up along the way. Something I really noticed in this piece and then when I think about it, it's I feel like it's kind of a recurring theme with your work is I think that you're very um idealistic and you have a lot of hope in other people. Mm. Like I I wrote down so many things, conversations that I loved that I was like, man, wouldn't it be nice if, if people could actually relate, like talk to each other this way, even when they make a mistake or somebody says something hurtful or does something stupid. Like the first thing that I wrote down that I noticed was I love the relationship between the kid, Michael and Lee. And to be honest, yeah. a lot of the relationships that the kid has with the adults in the room. Mm -hmm. It reminded me of my teaching days, and, and I've heard this about raising kids, too, that, like, if you want your kid to be smart and well-adjusted and compassionate, you treat them like an equal. You don't talk to them like they're younger or lesser than you. And that was a relationship in there that I was like, that's really, really nice. Lee and the kid is my favorite relationship in the, in the mm. show. Mm -hmm. um, from that first scene that it's just the two of them, right? Like I, and um, I actually, the question I wrote below it, I wasn't going to get this deep, but I wrote it anyway. It was like, what, like that one felt kind of visceral to me. I know that Michael too was a piece of that, but like that one felt a little bit more like from a real play. Like who, are those, is that a real thing for you? Is that a relationship you've witnessed before? Or is that something just all made up? <laughs> so for people who haven't read Annex yet, or it's actually going to be on the Theater Viscera podcast. Um, oh, in cool. Maybe later this month, maybe not until October, so I'll spread that link around. But so Michael and Lee are kind of the gay, I'm putting like uncles in air quotes because they can be mm -hmm. any gender, but their role is like Elliot's sure. the main character, the kid is their kid, and then these are the, the gay uncles. And Lee is the one who most like feels parental. Um, and like one of my goals for myself in like five to seven years, as soon as I can get into a two bedroom apartment, is to become like a foster parent, ideally for mm -hmm. queer teens. Yeah. Because I think so many skills that I have from teaching, like, you know, boundaries and mutual respect and like here are some skills what choices do you want to make with them mm -hmm. i think those translate really well for you know kids who are in precarious positions um and i just also again like i i was a you know a queer teen who didn't really know myself who was i was older than um i have a little brother who's seven years younger and he had a lot of friends his own age that my parents made friends with their parents and i was just sort of in the middle and so i spent a lot of time with adults um and find that easier. Found that easier. Find that easier at the ripe age of 36. I still really prefer <laughs> to spend my time with grown-ups. Um, but I, I, I find myself hopefully modeling that in the way that I work with my students. But it's also, again, a case of kind of, of reparenting myself. Like, what do I wish I had somebody around to, like, point out and recognize? Mm, yeah. right. um, and working my way through the, the characters of Annex, you know, working out from this, this central hub of somebody who's really struggling to just be a person and like what type of people would they have 
in their life, what would be beneficial about that and what would be harmful. Um, and so that's where I was coming from there. And when you say that the part that really like stuck with you, is it when um, like Lee makes their, their kind of mistake at the, the end of the first act or beginning of the second act? Is that the part that you meant really? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and it's interesting that you so it's because it's sort of like, there's this there's the sort of stereotype of, of the person in the play who is that is that like the person you wish was guiding you along you know kind of thing but it doesn't feel that way to me in in like a negative way if does that make yeah. sense like it doesn't feel like a stereotype he's written so, lee is written so real that's why i think i asked the question because it's just i was just like oh you know this person you oh, know I'm very lee interested in like because i think it's a thing i actually never let myself do is like say whatever is on my mind even if it's fucked up like what lee says yeah. is, a, is a hurtful thing to the kid it's not a thing that yeah. lee means in the moment uh, as like a, a comment about the kid it's an expression of lee being like but i want a kid who's like i am you know that i have as an infant and i raise yeah and the fact that they've had this this parenting experience with this kid that they met you know in childhood like confronting in yourself that oh do i still have an expect like a a different standard like do i think of one kind of kid as mine and another kind of kid as like mm. this is the kid i know um right and it's an opportunity for lee to be like oh shit because i don't like i don't want anyone to be perfect either like you're saying like i don't want some right. like wise mentor has all the right answers because a those don't exist and b if they did when they drop the ball it would just destroy you Mm -hmm. and yeah yeah so reinforcing to both the kid and everybody watching this play that like even the air quotes together friends mess up nobody's perfect nobody's together everybody is just yeah. doing the best they can and sometimes they fuck up and then what do you do i would and honestly right, put yeah. you on the level i truly i'm not even i'm not blowing smoke i would put you on the level of paula vogel oh, and and baker and annie baker in terms of how they because we we've covered them both and two, the things that we we really honed in with both of them was the fact that they allowed everyone to be flawed in ways that still but you still like got them even if they were flawed in the f most fucked up way we can all relate to so many of you're like them. oh god i still relate to you and i don't think a lot of playwrights really really do it like vogel and i actually do feel like you do well um, and that's another person that has what love chicken does yeah. too that's another person that just has such a distinct and clear voice in all of their work is Vogel. And we, 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 we bring up how I learned to drive all the time because it is the, for me, one of the great accomplishments of dramatic writing of the past, you know, 20 or 30 years that you can have an antagonist who does a horrible series of things and that you kind of like him and that your protagonist kind of likes him. Yeah. And and now that, you don't go that far with any of these people, to be clear. But right, no, no, right, no, not sure. not by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, these are all um, people that you would still meet up with to like yeah. go to front. Like you just somehow you would work through it. And I think because yeah. I keep such a tight rein on myself, both in terms of like letting people in and letting myself out, it's very freeing to write characters that just let it all hang out with each other. But right. the other thing I, I like about it too, and this just popped into my head because I feel like I've been having a million of million conversations like this lately, is I know so many people, and I think COVID has aggravated this, where we were all behind our screens for two over two years. People have issues with each other, fights happen, misunderstandings happen, but your characters come together and talk about it and figure it out, which is another way that like, I. 
you hold your your characters to a higher standard but you do it compassionately so because the thing that i'm experiencing with friends with family members in professional situations is people hold things in and they don't talk about it because they don't want to have an uncomfortable conversation and in this play the people have the conversation and everybody's better off for it and i just liked that about this piece too yeah i i agree with you and the other thing um the other thing that uh, that just struck me it, it was just how well balanced annex was that that dash of magical realism that 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 glowing pink bowl of light of pink light uh it becomes because like i i i'll be honest with you like my initial just opening the first page i'm like oh, i don't want to read a play about mental illness right now <laughs> And but sometimes you're not in a place mentally to read about <laughs> right. mental illness. Oh, yeah. I get it. It, it, it was that balance, and then you know the the levels that 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 Elliot deals with. You know the 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 desire for anybody that's dealt with any. And I, I, I don't speak for all of us, but I'm sure we've all been there where it's just like I just want a solution to this. I just want a pill that'll make me feel better tomorrow morning, and that 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 doesn't happen and so that that realism that harshness of that realism never mind you know uh, the, the exploration of of the levels of anxiety um just it again just balanced it out and and we we're dealing with with characters that are trying to do the best that that they that that they can and and also i but also think mess. <laughs> i also think that the kid becomes just this wonderful ballast for everybody because everybody's concerned and we're concerned like not my concerns but but we are we're concerned you know we're concerned about their transition and what they must be enduring being in middle school right it's like middle school 14 early high school, so yeah, high early school. High school yeah. but oh my god <laughs> like like the youths today is especially around gender the the fluidity and the inclusivity has like, again, I work with populations of students and like, you know, I have a summer teaching job where I meet kids from all across the country. And then I, you know, have my, my recurring USC job. And even though definitely like bullying and, and exclusion and stuff still exists, it's, it's an entirely different world from those of us who grew up with like gay as an insult. Like it right, doesn't, right. again, it doesn't mean mm -hmm. that people don't fuck up, but it's also like, no, make fun of him because his pants are fucking stupid, not because he's gay. Like, right, right. Pun punching, well, punching, punching up as yeah, opposed to yeah. punching yeah. down. And, then, and then what this kid's dealing with is also a father who's trying to do his best and right. fucking up um, in ways that I think, you know, again, a lot of people have, have experienced where they, they want to do the best they can, but they, they have limitations and right. you can't change that person. All you can do is sort of prepare yourself to live in, okay, what is the experience that I'm going to have with this person it's, given these limitations? Yeah, you are really writing for a new generation, and I don't mean Gen Z. Like, that's not what I mean. You're writing for a new generation of theater goers, though, in a lot of ways, because I, Love Chicken definitely is that. Mm -hmm. But even this, and it it, it has that bit of, of it's about it without being about it, but it's about it. Yeah. That's Does that exactly, make sense? I don't know how to yeah, say that differently. I think that's the perfect way. That that's that's what my brain was churning about after after seeing Love Chicken was right. Oh my God, this is this is for for allies and for and for the queer community and everybody. But I'm like, but the old 
the old like there was an old dude in the night that we went that looked like he was there to see somebody or his you know his kid dragged him there and it was accessible to them like it was they were and, laughing and the whole time yeah they were laughing the whole time they were in it the whole time and you know that that's where we we keep going back to to the idea of your voice and the specificity of your voice but also just the the charm and warmth and grace of it. So right. that, that goes a long way. We're in this new time, you know, like you're saying, Maddox, where like I'm, I'm I direct at Shakespeare Youth Festival. And this past year, I directed Richard III with nine kids, only three of whom were still using the same pronouns I knew them as when I first mm. met them. Mm. Right. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Right. The fact that the and, it, and it's not even like a question. It's like they come in and they say, oh, by the way, I'm now uh, going by Eli and I'm uh, they then and you're like, great. And then we all move on because <laughs> that and, and the fact that that's what love chicken. That's what Annex is, is where it's it is about it. You know, it's about the transitions, about the difficulties that are happening surrounding that. But also at the same time, and I, we're starting, we are, we're dipping into Love Chicken now, so I'll, I'll pivot into this. But, but Love Chicken, especially to me, is like one of those where I watched it and I went, oh man, I need every one of my students to watch this show. Mm-hmm. They're not getting this representation in a lot of mm-hmm, their media mm-hmm. right now. Maybe they get it on TikTok, maybe they get it on whatever, but they're not getting it on stage for sure. And I, and, and I know they're not getting it on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, and I watch Love Chicken and I go, why is this not on Hulu right now? Why is this not the next movie that Netflix puts their money into? They make a bunch of shit. They can make something beautiful like well, this. Well, I do want to know? shout out both Heartstoppers and Sex Education as Ooh, shows absolutely. that are doing beautiful oh, sex work in education. terms of inclusive, loving, yeah. like messy, um, but just yeah. very much informed and like thoughtful, but not preachy right it's just that these are the things that come up when you have these characters living their lives and yes it tells you something about a community but it's also a story that a community is entertained by yeah and it's not going to be stressful or traumatizing to watch (laughs) right and and that's a that's such an important part of it but if you just try to write a story that's not stressful you're not going to do a good job (laughs) exactly I, i know sex ed is a big one with them that's like a huge one for, but none of them, Euphoria is not really accessible. Oh God, I cannot watch Euphoria. Yeah, they don't, I mean, I, I haven't messed with it too much, but they're, they're one of those that like, they, 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 they don't even like it. And I thought that was going to be their show. I was like, oh, you guys probably love Euphoria. They're like, ah, it's yeah. not really how it is for us. Right. So that's not Nobody's why doing that kind yeah, of we don't really like, like it. I mean, people who do that have a serious problem. And so they realize right. it. it even strikes teenagers as like, oh, that's not cool. I'm also working with like them. kids who like, like these Shakespeare nerds who right. just, I call them nerds in the most endearing way, by the way, oh, for sure. they're oh, sure. all geniuses. Uh, they school me every day in terms of both wokeness and Shakespeare, everything. <laughs> so um, they are, they're, they're incredible. And, but, but I think they need, they need this kind of theater. And so I want to pivot into love chicken, Wait. the theater. No, oh. no. <laughs> Y'all just talked forever. I just want to say two this lines talk. that I pulled yeah. from this. Talk. No, I was I was waiting till y'all were done. Um, two lines that I love from this: um, "Don't borrow trouble," and then I really oh, yeah, loved. I love uh, <laughs> yeah. I really loved uh, your dad and I are. We're not your problem. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that. That's great. That's awesome. And the context surrounding those makes them even better. Yes. But they're like, so one day 
You need to see this play, everybody. Annex. Well, w- once it's published and out there, and yeah, we'll get there. We'll Podcast announce it when it happens. Forthcoming. Yeah. Theater <laughs> Yes. To mod to Poddington. Um. Okay. Now can I love chicken? Yes, CJ? let's love chicken. Yes, oh my now God. Love, okay. chicken. Uh, love chicken, the theater, theater, playwright award winner, inaugural winner, uh, uh, love chicken, CJ. Yeah. Break it down. Yes. CJ's breakdown. Old friends and sometimes complicated more than friends, Jan and Lolo want to have a fun weekend in a cabin with their queer community and family of choice. When no one shows except friend Max and Jan's estranged and somewhat not invited husband Dave. Fully <laughs> not invited. In no way invited. Not invited. <laughs> not invited. Polarity, drama, unearthed personal issues, and a big old clump of pad thai noodles unfolds. Genius. Yes. Now. I'm glad you love those noodles. The, so yes. <laughs> I think we should start there. I think we should start there. Because... Start with the noodle work? <laughs> the, the noodle, noodle work. Good noodle okay. Mitch Slagle for his inept noodle work. Uh-huh. Mitch Slagle. Oh, okay. It. Shout out. Because, now this whole cast, phenomenal. Yeah, just Let's everybody was perfect and grounded mm-hmm. and honest and, and everything. Grounded is the right way to put it because I think in Fringe we see a lot of things, especially because you know things are getting put up quick. You, you get a lot of theater. You get a lot of acting hats. You know, these people were kind of just being themselves on stage, and I loved it. Yeah. Um, and I don't mean that in a, in a negative way. That that can be stated as sort of like they were just like being themselves. Like Julia Roberts just plays herself every time. <laughs> that's not true. That's not what I mean. I think, I think they embodied these people so well. But the 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 pad tie. Okay. I just want to start there. I know there's so many things to talk about about this thing, but about this play, but. W- we that was one of those moments in the play because we were all on board the whole time but that was one of the moments where we were kind of nudging each other going is that a prop malfunction slash a genius directorial moment that's every time i get high a genius <laughs> acting moment like what is happening here but then we yeah that's what cj said afterwards it was like no that's what happens when you get back to the container. And it's those were literally from my local pad Thai place. Yes. Um because at one point I realized I keep writing scenes with food, which is like I gotta stop it. It's tough. It's tough. Um I there's there's a behind the scenes story I want to tell for Love Chicken with a different kind of prop food moment. But yeah, I originally was trying to think how can I get something that's like warm enough that he's it's not nobody's gonna get sick when they eat it, but not buy pad thai every time there's a thing. And so you can just order fake noodles and it was very important to me that mitch would be like try or that dave would be trying with uh chopsticks and then i realized it's actually funnier if he never gets them anywhere near his mouth yeah and then the exit line of that scene is like max is like oh shit our ex- our like partners and ex-partners are cooking up right now we need to go upstairs and he would say i'm almost done and at first he would try to make it look like he'd eaten them and i was like no you need to make it clear that you are nowhere near done yeah. and that you're gonna stay there as long as it takes to finish the one of the best bits in the whole thing yeah i i mean it love chicken is still streaming right yes it is so oh good so everyone should go to uh uh, max's instagram which is in the the show notes of this um episode and click on the link in the bio because it sends you to a streaming of love chicken uh the same production we saw not the same night but the same uh run and uh uh I've sent a couple people to it who I've just been like, oh, you need to watch this. And they have. <laughs> and they've been like, this is phenomenal. Yeah, and every one of them always says, 
the pad thai bit. You know? <laughs> that always comes up because it 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 turns out it's a bomb drop that at the end it's a genius moment like you just described. So I want people to go watch it so they can actually see the full context <laughs> of it because we're just saying the pad thai bit. People should go watch it and check it out. Um, I speaking of the cast, I ran into Mod the other day. Hmm. So the Playhouse was doing an end of fiscal year party at the Congregation Bar in Pasadena. Mm-hmm. Um, nice little bar I'd never been to. It was pretty cool. Uh, went in there, and behind the register is Mod. Ah, that's Mod Bar. Oh. Yep. And oh, I, I, without even thinking, like, I didn't even think, like, this might be weird. They're at work. Like, I shouldn't. I just walked up and I said, are you Mod? <laughs> <laughs> and, and Mod said, yeah, you're... You're the like, oh, guy from the podcast. Oh, really? Oh, <laughs> yes, that's nice. Yes. It's nice when it's a mutual recognition. Well, because we follow each other on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. So it was like, it was like oh, uh, oh, yeah, you're the podcast dude. I was like, yes, okay, cool. And then I sort of mentioned, yeah, we're going to be, we're about to cover Maddox. Like, it's this whole thing. So shout out to Mod. Mod, yeah. uh, mm-hmm, what is their yeah. last name? Becker. Shout out Becker. to Mod, Summer, and Bella. <sighs> okay. The whole cast, truly. Truly. Absolutely incredible. And their chemistry Mm-hmm. And you could feel their chemistry somehow with you, mm-hmm. though you were not on stage. And I think that's because <laughs> of the script. But like, it just felt like a family. It felt like this this family had decided to make a story about chosen family. And I was like, I want to be in that family. And then I <laughs> and then I was for like an hour and a half one night. You know, yeah. um, love chicken, y'all. What else? What else you guys say? Shout well, out to Mod. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, no, I just want to talk about Dave. <laughs> and how great a character that was. And I think that's was talking, one of the things I was talking to you about earlier, just the, the idea that here's this dopey white dude. Sis. And he, it's sis, sis, who doesn't quite get it, but he knows he loves this, this person. He loves this human being. So I kept waiting he's for struggling the with the words surrounding everything. Yeah, the vocabulary. yeah, yeah. He's, he's lear- you know, he's learning. Which is a lot of people right now, to be yeah. clear. Yeah, and so that's, I, I, I thought it was just a brilliant character that that he's never, never the bad guy. You know, he's there's never anything hateful that comes out of his mouth. Uh, he's just trying to figure it all out, and 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 then just to be just with the beauty of all those other characters and all the other relationships and, and all the complexity that comes out of just being human. I just, I think that's what, what sealed it for me when we walked out of that performance that day was like, this was just beautiful and lovely and human and, and messy and entertaining. And I'm like, that's what you, that's what we want and need more of. Uh, Yeah, totally. The feeling I got from it, too, was every once in a while you're in this golden show. And it's happened with me a couple times at Fringe where I've just gotten to be in fun shows that you're working with people you really like and you really like the show you're doing and you all just have a great time. Like, I got that vibe sitting in the audience that I was like, this cast loves each other. They did. did, And I, I wanted to ask, did you hold like formal auditions or did you have it precast or anything no, like that? No, not at all. I mean, again, I just moved here last year, so I didn't know anybody. Uh-huh. Um, so I posted a thing on backstage and I asked, you know, everybody that I know in the world, like, hey, do you know anybody who's right for this part? Mm-hmm. I mean, I had also done, you know, a virtual reading at the Pittsburgh Fringe last year. And so I I knew, you know, kind of what I was looking for. Sure. Um, 
But yeah, I just put up a thing on, on backstage and then I also just like sent a message inviting every like non-binary person or trans person <laughs> who's real I like to like schedule an audition. And so we did a, a first round on Zoom and a, a callback um, in person. And um, it was incredible that I had kind of, a, I had two groups that I was looking at um, and I like would cross pollinate them, you know, for different scenes, but like the, the group gelled immediately mm -hmm. um they were all like making plans to go to somebody's like actual dad's cabin at the end of the audition <laughs> and I was like how did we all do this yeah um and so that was just really beautiful and exciting and it was such a luxury to be able to like fine-tune what I wanted based on how you know and like I, I think the first person that I was like absolutely this person is in the show was Summer and I actually had Summer read every part with me at some point because I was like I know that this energy is going to be really special if I could just bounce it off the right thing. And then I saw Maude's reel and Maude brought out, the best thing about these, this cast was also, they kept bringing things out of the script that I didn't know were there just by mm. doing the work that they do as artists. Mm -hmm. um, and so that they did that like from their very first audition. Um, and then there was just something in Bella's reel that I really loved. Um, and they have left us to go to Scotland for fucking grad school, if you can believe it. Um, I'm like, I wanted to work with you in everything I ever do for the rest of my life, and I'm just gonna leave. Okay, fine, great. What a performer. <laughs> Bella's yeah. fantastic. They were yeah. great. And that was yeah. the, their first acting job. They only got a, not acting wow. job, but they'd done student films. That was their first play. It was Maude's first play. Huh. Um, wow. Yeah, I just got incredibly... Maybe that's lucky. why you couldn't feel the like, I feel like, especially in Los Angeles and New York, I'm sure, like, we just, we see a lot of the training sometimes mm. on stage where it's like, oh, they know, what the, yeah, okay, yeah, they've it's done crack. some exercises, yeah, yeah. Mm. whereas I think there's a rawness to people maybe who haven't done as much theater, like, legitimate theater training like we, yeah. you know, might, might have, so it kind of, it's, it's, it's refreshing. It really is. I've said that we're like nine times on this episode, but it's refreshing to see people come in with talent, with raw ability, tackling great work um, and not ever feel the seams mm. really. And not ever be like, like, Oh yeah, I see what you're doing. You're acting. I get it. Where it is, mm. they were just inhabiting and love chicken allows for that. Even rereading it. No line stubs my toe. Mm. Um, I think in the other two, there are a couple lines here and there, just like every Tennessee Williams play has 50 lines per scene that stub my toe. <laughs> well, they haven't been on their feet, right? So they haven't yeah. done the process of just like stripping away, stripping Once away. Once you workshop things, yeah. they, yeah, like we said, like they'll, they'll change and evolve. Yeah. But this one, if we're talking evolution, and I don't think you've gotten like better, profoundly better, but you have harnessed something. You've harnessed a voice here for these characters and these relationships that doesn't to you to use the phrase again stub my toe mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. i just appreciate that because a lot of fringe is is just walking out with sore feet and <laughs> and, 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 and it was a lot of one person show, which Incredibly isn't always difficult. a problem I mean, we had yeah. we nominated three one person those were shows. great i definitely saw yeah. some 90 minute one person shows that's Oof. all oh, my. <laughs> no I mean, it really, I think that is the, both the gift of hearing different voices take your character away from you and, and then give it back with more in it. Yeah. Um, but also just, just developing that directorial sense of like, where, where is your attention disrupted? And like watching a ton of plays gives me that feeling. And then this is happening with, with Embers Born West right now that as I hear an actor do it, I'm like, oh, I don't need to say all of that. They can say so much less and still yeah. communicate what I wanted. And um, Love Chicken was very much written with like, I want to be able to do this so i want it to be as simple as possible so that the feelings are what carries it and buoys it and it was such mm -hmm. a love letter to you know the the culture and the community that 
surrounds me and the cast received it that way. And so it was a very like loving yeah. dynamic. And one of my favorite rehearsals, they came in and we were waiting for one person and they just started improving in character, like staging a whole nother like bickering fight that would have happened sometime between act one and act two. Like all of them went to dinner and just started fighting. And it was amazing. I was like, oh, I write another cool. scene for this? Like, great, yeah. It's totally. also fucking great. It's also like and you you i'll get into this and say you said this before the play but it's also like a really sexy play mm-hmm. right it's hot yeah. there's that scene where i think it was max out. and mod yeah well, max, yeah right. summer sorry, and mod. I, yeah yeah i mean summer and mod max like, the, and... the sexiest music cue in the world and then they appear and then they you know they take off their shirts and they're making out on the couch yeah oh. <laughs> I mean, like, hot damn! Like everybody was in the place. We were all like, "Whoa, okay!" And because, because also, I got the vape. Not gratuitous. The word spicy was used. Like, yeah. spicy is correct, and not gratuitous, right? And then, no, but also like, and not like just for the sake of it, but also kind of just for the sake of it in the way that you put it that I loved before the show. Now, normally, I'm pre- I'm pretty pretentious, Maddox. In case you haven't figured this out, <laughs> I don't normally like when a creator comes out and has to explain something to me before the show. You didn't come out and explain anything though. You came out and introduced it. And then you said something very, very powerful, which was a lot of this is me just wanting to write scenes for trans and non-binary people that are normal scenes in every other play that aren't written for trans and non-binary people. (laughs) And I was, and when you said that, I was kind of like, oh, okay, interesting. So it's going to be kind of like, just like basic shit. It's not. But but you saying that also by the end of it just gave me this um, sort of Rosetta stone, uh, if you of like, of like, oh, okay. So this is replicating this kind of scene. And it, but, but like without having to be about, but they're non-binary, dun, dun, dun. It's like, no, it's, they just are. Well, and I wanted to make that announcement because I knew that it would be a very queer audience. And I just wanted to tell everyone, like sort of the opposite of a trigger warning. Like this is going to be fun and we're going to have a fun, sexy time and you can relax. Like we got you and you got us. I also wanted to just remind people to be loud (laughs) because everybody, Uh, you know, it's very important that we all be masked. And I wanted to be like, please like, let us hear that you're here. Yeah. Um, and I also want to shout out the intimacy coordinator that we um, had consult, Brooke Haney, who's also non-binary, oh, um, cool. who I met when they auditioned for the, um, the, the Pittsburgh Fringe reading that I did. Um, they worked with us to kind of give us some best practices. So we had like pre-rehearsal rituals that we would do where everybody would say what their comfort levels were for that day. The idea mm-hmm. that wherever your boundaries are is perfect and they can change at any time and that's also fine. Um, so we really talked about like the, you know, the, the intimacy choreography of, of two people building in just the space of a minute you know like demonstrating chemistry and then acting on it Uh-oh. um and Here, then try that again try that, that again because the uh, mic got well. <laughs> just because i knocked it out of my ear yeah yeah exactly. um, the experience of two people building in just a minute like uh, a chemistry and an intimacy um and they kind of choreographed it themselves like we would talk about what we wanted it to feel like for the audience and then i would say does this feel comfortable how would you do this and and it was just such an organic um fun hopefully comfortable for them i felt very comfortable and like when you see them in pictures like they just look so relaxed together mm-hmm. um and it was very important to me that like they be in binders i also included in the character descriptions like wearing a binder or having top surgery scars like i wanted non-binary bodies to be visible yeah. mm, not be wow, exploited yeah. or objectified and also mm. talked about in a normal way in normalcy yeah. and not in like and this is why this is 
tough for me. Right. Right. You know? After a point, like what was tough was not having the surgery. What was yeah. tough was not having access to a binder. Once exactly. you have it, you're like, great. One less thing to worry about. Exactly. On to the rights, you know, or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, there's a piece of this play that I am obsessed with that I put in my review, but I put it under what I didn't like. In the review. <laughs> so there's when you do Hollywood Fringe Press, we were uh, the three of us were pressed for it. Obviously, we were doing the uh, award, and so we uh, we when you fill out the review, it says what did you like, what you didn't like, and then what your overall impression was. So in what I liked, I'm like, this is amazing. Bottle episode of Generation Q. This is, uh, or it could have easily been a bottle episode of Generation Q, and it's so much more. That was my final line of what I liked. Okay, that was a line from the play, by the way. Uh, this like isn't it. a bottle generation, or yeah. this isn't a bottle episode from Generation Q. Um, genius, by the way. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, what I didn't like. I kind of want to read this to you. Can I do that on the podcast? Yeah. Is that pr stupid, Scott, CJ? Do it. No. Okay. Here we, we all go. love this review, by the way. It was a totally fair option. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> yeah, my overall impression really nails why I love this play, but I'm just going to read the what I didn't like. Here we go. My first thought when I left was, this was absolutely incredible. The second thought I had was, is it begging for just a touch of theatricality? Why is this a play and not a movie? Each scene is set in small spaces with big voices. Uh, uh, yeah. Early on, we have a moment where Max has heard everything the others have said from across the restaurant. This is the part I'm talking about that I love. Later in the Airbnb... No, I hate it. Sorry. We're still in the conceit <laughs> that I hate it. Later in the Airbnb, we have another moment of someone overhearing a secret. Then a moment where someone expresses their feelings and the person they are talking about is listening from the stairs. The first time was funny. The second time was funny. The third time was poignant. The fourth time, I was confused why it was being used again. Then it was used two to three more times. <laughs> My first instinct was that it was just an easy device to keep pulling out. But then, as I walked back to Fringe Central with my podcast co-hosts, Scott, CJ, it's you two, I realized something. That was the theatrical device. That was the answer for why is this a play and not a movie. The fact that we know they can hear each other creates attention in the space at all times. Being in a black box creates attention mm -hmm, in the space mm -hmm. at all times. Everything they said a little too loud made me clinch. Just hoping someone wasn't behind the wall listening. It made us wonder if characters were trying to be heard sometimes. And for what reason. All that to say, I think it's a perfect play. And I was wrong about the theatricality. <laughs> and then I said, I guess it could maybe use one more moment of pad thai noodle prop. Because that absurdity <laughs> was hilarious and right at home in the world. That was it. Um, Boom. Yeah, but I it, I loved that conceit, and I don't know if it was on purpose, and I'm excited to ask you this question. Is that on purpose? Is that the point, or what I mean, is the, the goal here? The short answer to why this is a play and not a movie is that movies cost tens of thousands I of dollars. I understand, yes. Mm -hmm. and like... The question has to be with a, with every script, right, is, is like, could this have been the other thing and been better, right? And this, I, mean, I sure. don't think if could I have. I mean, sure, if I have $10,000, no, I mean, I really do, I would love to see Love Chicken as a series. Because sure, I think sure. that it has just so many opportunities in it. But, I mean, for me, there's also this idea that when your community is so small, things get back to people, Yeah, you know? Mm -hmm. And 
also, like we were talking about in Annex, that people sit down and have the difficult conversations. Love Chicken is like a series of like hot potato. Like, I'm not having this conversation. Nope, yeah, that's nope, true. Nope, nope, nope. And mm-hmm. so if people aren't going to sit down and have it, you do have to kind of engineer situations where the information is is revealed inadvertently. But I do think that's an area, like I, I took that note and I thought about it. And I was like, yeah, when I don't know what to do, I just <laughs> throw somebody in the scene like they already know it. Um, and so it's interesting to think about that because in the physical space, I think you're absolutely right that it does create a sense of everybody's just around all the time, yeah, which, yeah. Mm-hmm. which mirrors that existing in a very small exactly. community that you can't get away from people's exes. Everybody's somebody's ex and I you're not going to leave the family just because you're not making out anymore. Exactly. Right? A new family. I love that. The last yeah. thing I want to read from my review, because it's my favorite line from it, is a relationship drama that makes Labute and Mamet look like amateurs. This phenomenally simple story is the voice of a generation presented without a megaphone. Mm. Lovely. And what I, what I mean by that is you're not screaming at us, which is how I feel watching most theater right now. Is that ruined it's my relationship with Labute. Me. He's so mad at me because of this. Well, <laughs> on this podcast, when when we say Neil LeBute, what we really mean is what we well we use him as a uh, euphemism for taking a shit. Um, <laughs> everyone loves Neil LeBute. Uh, we we have our our, our I love mean, for him in I've ways seen it too. It's been like dark and twisty in a way where I was like, I don't want to watch this again immediately. And when I'm yeah. making stuff I loved, you're spending so much time with it, you want to be yeah. able to watch it again. Exactly. Uh, Bailey talks about people screaming at you about uh, in theater. Uh, when are you coming out with your January six play? No, it's um, it's a great point because it's something that we discussed with uh, with Natalie, Natalie Nicole Dressel, um, that our guest on Vogel. Our, oh yeah, our, our Vogel guest, guest Vogel, phenomenal Vogel, playwright, wonderful playwright, um, and trans woman, phenomenal, like just yeah. one of the best friends, we've, just we've one had. of the best people you know. <laughs> Hi Natalie. Uh, Hi Natalie. Hi Natalie. I think listens to the pod actually. Yeah, huh? yeah, you're right. She and Jay. But she, we did a, a talk back after reading of her play. There's evil in this house, and one of the things that she talked about was, um, the luxury tone of a lot of theater right now and i i don't know if that's a generational thing if that's people just i don't know i don't know what the root of that is obviously response like you walk into a cafeteria you want everyone to be quiet and there's so much going on that there's definitely this feeling of like i just need everyone to settle down and listen to this thing i have to say hear me here's some structure here's some order i just saw and i i'm I'm, we're not going to get into it but i just saw the prom Mm. the musical and I've seen the billboards everywhere it's the ultimate just screaming at me and unfortunately especially for a los angeles audience it's screaming things i've known for 20 years i couldn't <laughs> finish the movie because i was like no. this is like so like this cast yeah is doing like james level. corden is screaming at me like love gay people and i'm playing a gay person also i'm straight and i'm like okay <laughs> like it's a tough one and i the musical's not much better we won't get into it because I know y'all haven't uh, experienced the pram. Uh, <laughs> you don't need to. There's a reason why. The pram. <laughs> um, oh, and the prom shows up in the... In the... Oh, and Don't Call Me. Don't Call Me Shirley. Yeah. Or, it's not Don't Call Me Shirley. Don't Call no, Me. Don't, don't call, call Me. Colin Shirley. Colin <laughs> Shirley. 
exclamation point in the musical. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the roller skates angels come in, and then... Yes! Oh. I'm writing that. Can you note it in the log, Scott, that there's going to be... It's being noted in the log. I mean, log. it's just not sexy to be explained why something is sexy, you know? <laughs> like, you can... I, I mean, I don't know if you guys can, but I feel like I can always tell when I watch a work of, that is telling a queer story whether queer people were involved on all sides yeah. of the story. Right. Um, Cameron Esposito has a great bit about like lesbian sex where you can see everybody's hands at all times and yet orgasms are happening and like <laughs> tell me how <laughs> um, that clearly implies you know that somebody who has never experienced what they're depicting was involved in choreographing this and um, it's so easy to avoid like just invite trans people to the table invite queer people to the table yeah. or yeah. as a, a queer and trans person i'm gonna make my own table and nobody can stop me <laughs> yeah exactly Hell yeah. And, and i'm gonna ex exclude you taking my ball and going home because like truly they they they've built this well okay i don't want to get into why the industry is fucked up because uh but we it's all also know why i wanted to put dave in the play um yes. as i was writing it at first it was like a three-person one act and then i got to the cabin and things were unfolding and i was like damn it we gotta mm. be dave and, yeah. and the idea again of not having a villain but having someone who is treated like a villain um was fun to play around with and then like again as a counterpoint to annex some feedback i got was like i think we need to meet the kid's dad and i was like no the kid's uh -huh. dad is not invited to this play this kid has a family the dad's yeah. around i'm gonna tell you what he said but he doesn't get to come play and even in the audition process i got probably four times as many dave auditions as I did for the other three people in the cast. Of course, yeah. And so much of it was because people were like, oh, I don't think they're even going to want to see me for this. And so uh, I just want to encourage, if non-binary and trans and queer people are watching, like, put yourselves up for fucking everything. Please. The here, worst they can here. say is no, and you're already not doing it. So, like, it won't change your status. Right. <laughs> you continue to not do it. Especially because right now, like, most theaters, I would argue, are, like, really wanting to progress and move forward and be the 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 change they want to see in, yeah. in the arts and so they're looking for you they really are i promise like please go out and audition for everything because it's just it's it, the time is now and it and and it's just going to keep getting better i think i i, I hope there's a real tension though as always when progress is happening sure. between people who are walking the walk versus talking the talk, like both, sure. like I've entered uh, Love Chicken in like competitions where I was told that the casting was going to be a problem and I needed to get involved. Hmm. Um, this wow. happened when I, you know, when you try to get something that is very queer or very native produced, even though there was so much talent out there, mm -hmm. theaters will hit a wall of like, well, we don't know those people. How can we right. put on this show? And again, the problem is that there's like a those people. <laughs> you, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you go out and find find right. them like that's it's the responsibility of a theater right now yeah, yeah. exactly and yeah, uh, that reaching out, out a hand goes a long way it really really does you know and let's all just keep working y'all y'all yeah. <laughs> is there anything you want to say as a final word about love chicken or or maddox in general you cj scott anything i i i I have just been charmed, and you just charmed the the pants off me both with your Please interview. Put your pants back on, Scott. I, I, I'm not, I'm not wearing it pants. It's too hot for pants. All right. Too hot fair. for pants. Take it back. Uh, which is my memoir. Uh, too too, <laughs> too hot, hot for, for pants. pants. It's got like it's Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, but no, just uh, the uh, again. I just want to compliment you on 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 the clarity of your voice the 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 precision of your humor and the, the humanity in your work 
it just was a treat to sit down and, and read them and all, all three of these and um yeah uh don't call me is like now i'm, I'm into it i, I want to make it happen somewhere <laughs> oh somehow yeah amazing let's do it oh so, um yeah so yeah pleasure just a pleasure meeting you and, and spending this time with your work um, I so enjoyed Love Chicken. It was a high point of Fringe for me. And I mean, I, I think Fringe this year, I saw so many works made by queer artists that, ex like another one that I loved uh, that I couldn't shut up about also was Abortion Weekend. Oh, yeah. Great. yeah, yeah. Um, uh. One of our hot stuff was really, really good. Um, but those are the ones that are popping in my head. But like, shout out to Teaching a Robot to Love. Oh, yeah, I watched that the sexuality, live stream. The one it was show. great. Like, I didn't get to see asexuality, but everyone was talking about it, and I knew it did so well. Um, but I, I enjoyed Love Chicken so much. It was such a high point for me viewing-wise. And then I so enjoyed reading these other plays. Like, it's one thing, I mean, that's something that I've, that I come back to on this podcast over and over again. There's plenty of plays that I've read that I've seen that they're just not fun to read, but these were like nice sit down reads for me. <laughs> and to make it not something that was enjoyable to watch where I met new people and learned new things, but to be able to sit down and just enjoy reading a play, which really doesn't happen all the time was great. And I, I love how piggybacking off of Scott, like your voice is so clear. It's so clear and it's fun. And I enjoyed reading your voice, but at the same time, all three of these plays are different. They're different stories. Mm -hmm, they, yeah. they use different devices and they're fun in different ways. I agree so much. I mean, Maddox. it's such a gift to have people like look at your work with attention. That's all any of us want. Ah, right. Really <laughs> My pleasure. Truth. My Thank pleasure. Maddox, you are truly one of my, and I'm sure Scott and CJ's new favorite playwrights and people. We're going to get together with you and buy you whatever kind of drink you would you would prefer. <laughs> Coffee, beer, sangria, whatever. Would your float with an umbrella in it? Yes. Oh, sure. Ooh, oh man, bar. Yes. that float sounds so good. We'll do it. We'll also call Annie Baker and bring her in. We'll all have a good <laughs> It'll be incredible. Uh, Maddox, is there anything you want to leave the audience with? But we'll, we'll do the LA Spotlight in a second, but is there anything you want to leave the audience with before we rank your plays? Uh, I want to tell aspiring queer writers that if they want to send me some stuff to look at, I love giving notes. Um, and I would love, again, and we we're talking about like extending a hand. That's the thing that I can do is be like, hey, let me read your stuff and tell you where I stubbed my toes. Word. I'll pay it exactly. Word. Mm. Okay. Scott? What? Uh, oh, am I starting the rankings? Yeah. yeah tell me about it. Look me in the eye and tell me which of my children you think is the best. All right. <laughs> no, well, yeah. <laughs> Bailey loves ranking shit. I love it. I love ranking shit. You that was my point. Shit. That's all yes, I was trying to say. Yeah, was, you got it. You got I it. I don't know. Scott, you yeah. start. Oh, Kill the darling. man. All right. Today, at this moment, this is my order. I'm going love chicken, annex. Don't call me. Amazing. Number one. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Say that one more time. Say it for me one more time. Three Today, is Today, right now, number three is love chicken. Wow. Yeah, I know. Number okay. two is Annex, and number one would be Don't Call Me. It okay. makes my heart so happy. I genuinely thought nobody ever is going to like this play as much as I do in my head. I love it. It, it, it makes pressed, my heart so happy. Pressed, uh, pressed all of my nerd <laughs> buttons and lit CJ? buttons. Uh, my, I usually come 
to these rehearsals with rehearsals recordings <laughs> with everything written out so i know my rankings coming in mine changed through the course of us discussing them amazing so, yeah three love chicken one don't call me uh, sorry three love chicken two don't call me one annex okay wow. love that love that uh interesting maddox you're gonna have to rank them too Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> this is my segment, so I go last. So what? Oh, go okay. ahead. Um, I would say <laughs> because I have such, I have a bunch of rewrites in mind for Annex um, before I sort of send it out again. Like I, uh, so I would say that's my third right now. I would say you guys have made me fall in love with "Don't Call Me Again," and I think "Love Chicken" is just my favorite because I can go watch it whenever I want. <laughs> right. yeah, yeah, that's the yeah. best. Okay, well, this is the real ranking. You guys ready? Uh huh. Number three. Uh huh. Annex. Although I love it very deeply mm -hmm. two love chicken one i think it's don't call me we were all different we were all different yeah, all different all got. different yes. well but, but bailey and i both had don't call me at number one i just i think i had the most fun reading it mm -hmm. love chicken was such a fun like like introduction to you and was such a high point for fringe and was just like it, it is like one of my new favorite plays but I was just so surprised by Don't Call Me because I wasn't, I again, like I said, I was kind of like, are we going to be reading like bad <laughs> shit and we're going to have to like talk about it? Someone's like <laughs> senior thesis. It's like, right, uh, right. So when I read it in under, you know, an hour and a half, I like chugged through it. I was wow, like, it's a robust play. It is. And I chugged. Like I truly <laughs> was just like, oh, keep giving me this. Like mm -hmm. this is it. I was kind of saying. Once it was me. over, I was just like, yeah. That's my play. And then mm -hmm. Annex, because I read it, Don't Call Me, then Annex, then reread re Love Chicken. And rereading Love Chicken was just like kind of like a warm bath, but the other mm -hmm. two were just huge surprise points. Um, that's all. That's, <laughs> that's all I want to say. Hey, do you guys have any dream roles in any of these shows? Yeah, who would you be? Dream who would you be? Who would you be? I, I put down Georgia. Oh yeah, I, I want to play Dave. Great. I want to do Dave. I want to do Dave. I want to play Dave. Paper scissors, Dave. It. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That would be. That, that would be mine. What about Simpson? Maybe I don't know. Like someone. I feel like all the don't call me's parts. Don't call great. me parents. I thought a lot about Spring Awakening, right? Where there's just kind of yes. parents who. Yeah. Right. Yes. Right. Um, Maddox, if you if if somebody said you have to play a a part in one of your plays, which part would it be? Charlotte Bronte. Yeah. Ah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. See, did like, you have what, any? What a world I've created in which I could just be like, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Why not? Be Charlotte Bronte. That's how Hell you yeah. do it. I, I said Georgia for my annex. Oh, yeah. Oh, you did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Word. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. Well, that's all we really have to do besides spotlighting some LA theater. So let's get into it. LA Spotlight. Bitlets! You got any? Like Maddox doesn't like that word. <laughs> it has good mouthfeel. You should try it. Spitlet. Spitlets. Spitlet. Okay, go ahead, Scott. Yeah, I shan't be trying. <laughs> um, on October 21st and 22nd, I will be directing a staged read slash sing through 
of Michael Shaw Fisher's uh, Midsummer Nightmare, a musical sequel to A Midsummer Night's Dream. Uh, it will be featuring uh, our own Bailey and our own CJ in the cast. It's an amazingly diverse cast that we're very, very excited about. We have some, some cool As you can tell that Bailey and CJ are two of the- <laughs> Yeah, they're right. But we've so got some great- Up and coming artists. We've got some great queer representation. We've got some great BIPOC representation in it. And we're, we're excited. It is a jubilee and a monster of a show. And we're gonna put it up and get people's feedback. Yes. Siege? Um, I don't have any theater, but I do want to say that I'm very excited to be filming a short film with Lee, a.k.a. Lee Ollie, Wolf? from yeah. Three Guys, One Groupon, where we're, she's directing something, and I'm going to be in it at the end of the month, and I'm excited. That's all. Hey, nice. It's nice, nice. people ask for me the to do stuff. five of our listeners that saw Three Guys, One Groupon. It's the <laughs> really tall one. Um, okay, yeah. Maddox, do you have anything? Uh, I just want to plug the Theater Viscera podcast reading of Annex. It's going to come out later this month. And yes. then the Embers Born West reading with the Mad Lab first look series on October 2nd at 11 a.m. And we'll yes. make sure to plug those on our Insta as well. So check out the Instagram for all that at theater underscore theater underscore. We got rid of the pod. I don't know if anybody has noticed this. On Instagram, we are officially at theater, R-E underscore theater, E-R underscore, with no pod at the end. All right. Uh, I'm trying to get theater underscore theater. There's someone who currently has that who has three followers and has never posted, and I've reached out, and I'm trying to get it. It's fine. We're getting that. <laughs> we're going to get it. The double, the double underscore is where Bailey, we're going. Bailey, too. Bailey, yeah. yeah. It's me. I'm the one. <laughs> I I'm knew the one. it. $10,000. So we have a 10, 10 grand. Bitch. <laughs> um, okay, I would well, never. <laughs> besides that, never get tickets to Sanctuary City at the Pasadena Playhouse. Uh, highly recommend the play. And uh, besides that, I'm going to go make sure my cats um, aren't killing each other in this pile of trash. So we'll, uh, we'll talk to you later. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you for joining us for Modcast Poddington. Uh-huh. The, the mini-series uh, is over now. This is the finale, sadly. I wish we could spend three more weeks talking with you, Maddox, but we got to have you back. We'll pick a playwright for next Mary season. Mary Catherine we'll... Nagel, right? You're going to read the... Oh, yes, play? yes. Oh, absolutely. Okay, yes. You're coming back. Yay. You're coming back next season. I'm also season. not going anywhere, so we can talk anytime you <laughs> we'll, we'll kick it. Um, but uh, next week we will be covering. Uh, we'll be doing an in stuff. Is next yes. week an in stuff? Yes. So it's the Wiz live. N- no, it's my turn. Oh, it's yours. Sorry, I thought we had already done that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Siege. Oh, this one's fun. CJ, what's your in stuff? We're going to be covering the entirety of Sam Cooke's uh, one night stand at the Harlem Square Club. It's a forty-five minute long set. You can listen to it on YouTube, y'all. It's an experience, and We're I'm covering dying to it talk as a theatrical it. ceremony of the uh, uh, experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So we're pumped about that. That'll be super fun. Uh. And then we are doing Brecht. 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 It's, it's a hard. So we're following right Maddox up with it's Brecht. A hard, it's a hard turn off that. Know how to have a good time. Yeah. So Maddox to Brecht, and then after Brecht is the 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 Wiz live. So try to find it. I I think it's on. What a, a couple mix! Things right now. Streaming, I think, yeah. on Hulu. 
Is I it? have the DVD, Good. so you could just. I did too. I got the Blu-ray. No big deal. Um, <laughs> Once a blockbuster right. boy, always a blockbuster boy. Exactly. <laughs> well, you can see behind me the pot. The listeners can't, but I have. This is the only thing I collect is physical media. It's embarrassing. <laughs> Ah, actually, I have a package showing up in a couple days with Good Burger Steelbook Blu-ray. <laughs> nice, all right. <sighs> yeah, I'm a 90s kid through and through. Uh, okay, but thanks for joining us. Let's close it out. Y'all have questions, comments, compliments for us? No, you don't can, do that. <laughs> You can reach out to us via email, Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Scott. Thank you, CJ. A big shout out to Ryan Thomas Johnson, who writes our theme song. Our theme song is better than your theme song. It's yeah. true. Uh, he also writes all of our stingers, and he's an amazing human being. And finally, to the great Pulitzer Prize winning playwright, Annie Baker, who writes every single one of our episodes. Annie B. Hi, Annie. Annie Baker. And she doesn't even know it. And one day, Annie Baker, uh, we're going to buy you a beer. We're going to do it. Uh, thanks for everything. Subscribe, rate, review. It really does help. Maddox, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank, thank you so well. much. What a treat. Just what a really pleasure lovely. to meet you. This yeah. was way let's too go, fun. Let's go drink soon together. <laughs> let's like, do it. Uh, Root beer floats all day. Yes. Right. A whale of a tail. A whale of a tail. Moby Dick. Moby Dick the musical. Moby Dick. A whale of a tail. Moby Dick. Everything that's nautical, Moby Dick. We're having a whale, a whale of a tail, a whale of a tail. Later, everybody. The theater, the theater. Theater, theater.